Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real-life stories and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best life. I'm Michelle Scharf. And I'm Jenny Taylor. And Michelle, today we have our good friend Stan Summers on the line with us. How are you, Stan? Hey, it's a beautiful day out there. It's raining and there should be snow in the mountains and it's yeah, a beautiful day. It's so good to talk to you. Michelle and I have both known you and pieces of your story longer than we've had our most recent stories of losing our husbands. Uh, we're all connected through Utah and politics and, and common friends. I was joking before we got online that I remember the first time my husband told me about you, this great commissioner up in Box Elder County, something about he couldn't be your friend on Facebook because you had too many friends on Facebook. And that <laughs> sums up Stan Summers. You are a friendly guy. You're the people's guy. Uh, Michelle and I both know you're a hard worker. Uh, you are involved in Utah politics. But today we're not really here to talk politics as much as we're here to talk perspective you've gained through some physical health challenges of you and your family but we're hoping first can you introduce yourself to us and to our listeners michelle and i of course know you and your your sweet family but tell us a little bit about you about jen about the kids about your background for those who might be listening in first introduction to stan summers i uh was born um my birthday's pretty cool because it's five six six five Oh, that's I'm awesome. kind of a numbers geek like that. So this year I turned 56 on 5665. Oh, okay. That's oh, very cool. Um, yeah. Brought up on a little dairy farm in East Fremont, Utah. Didn't know we were poor until I got older and realized that as long as you uh, had your stomach full, that you weren't poor. I thought everybody wore hand-me-downs. And being the last grandson of 68 grandchildren on the roadside, I had plenty of hand-me-downs to choose from. So... Come whoa, from a huge family, whoa, whoa, loved a huge family. My mom was the youngest of 15 kids. Um, she passed away on my 19th birthday, right when I was supposed to head out on a mission. I have three older sisters that keep me in line and one older brother. And uh, like you said, when it comes to hard work, I honestly can't sit down. So I'm walking around in my upstairs while I'm talking to you because <laughs> that's just you can't still. <laughs> All right. How about your wife? Who is she and how did you guys meet? Interesting story. She was my high school sweetheart's first cousin. Oh, not your uh, high school sweetheart. To... <laughs> <laughs> That's always funny because I always used to tell my high school sweetheart's grandparents that I'd like to be around when she grew up. And sure enough, oh, I was at a wedding. Oh, funny. Yeah, I was at a wedding. And you know how you can tell somebody's like staring at you? And I was wondering if my, you know, zipper was undone or whatever. And I walked past this beautiful blonde, and 
She's like, you're not even going to say hi. And I looked at her and I said, if I knew who you were, I would. And she <laughs> says, I'm Jennifer. Can you remember me? And uh, six months later, we were married. So, oh, oh wow. That we've, been, we've been married 33 years coming up in November. Mm. And we just went to Jen's high school reunion and got the award for being married the longest. Oh, congratulations. Very cool. Congratulations. That is sweet. Hey, I ran into Jen just on she Friday. Yes, at Harmon's. I, I hear her voice, and I'm thinking, I think I just heard Jen Summer's voice. I turn around because I was on the phone, and I turn around and I start screaming. I hung up on on the person I was on the phone with, and just started. We're a hundred miles away from you, so to see my wife at a Harmon's, you know, down in, I know. Davis County, in Farmington. I know. I was like, this is uh, crazy. Farmington. Helped her find some root beer stuff. She was <laughs> for her party. And yeah, we're doing root beer, yeah, homemade yeah. root beer this weekend. And yeah, so, that was fun. You know, I, you know, we talk about your guys' program, and I've always been interested in both your lives for quite a while. And, and I think you look back at some of the things that maybe made me who I was and coming from a large family and, and knowing what trials were at an early age. And I think that is what basically makes me know that I, you, you all know, I wear my heart on my sleeve. Absolutely. Until people, my, my tear ducts are attached to my bladder because I never had a tear. <laughs> so, uh, and if anything touches me, you can Boyd Matheson and everybody else, Doug Wright can attest to that, that they've had me cry multiple times when I've been on KSL and, and it's just an interesting life we live, and we got to do some interesting things this last weekend with some pretty really cool people that came out and give town a you know, show right here. And uh, it's funny how our circle of friends get bigger, but the world gets smaller so yeah. every true. time we happen to meet somebody. And so. I think that happens especially with you, Stan, because your heart is so big. You wear your heart on your sleeve because your heart is gigantic. Right. It can't fit in your chest. <laughs> well, and it's hard. You, you meet Stan. I think one of the first times I met Stan, I was actually running for county commissioner. And so I started attending so. those county commission meetings at, up at the Capitol. And I instantly fell in love with him. Yeah. I just knew this is a good man. Yeah. And we we became fast friends. And I'm... Yeah. We did. I'm not really great at the physical limitations. Like, we Im- immediately started to hug each other. Like, I just Oh, knew- you can't see Stan without getting a big hug. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, and I'm a big hugger, too. So, like, you know, they've passed new roles up there. The lobbyists aren't, and I'm, you know, being a lobbyist now, <laughs> we have to be appropriate. But but before, you did I not. I tell people all the time, it's amazing. it's amazing to me where my big mouth has taken me. Yeah. So, right? Uh, big mouth, big, yeah, big opinions, yeah. big ideas. Big heart. All right, big Stan. Heart. Yeah. Stan, yeah. you mentioned Talon, so tell us about your son and also your daughter. And I know you got some little grandkids, so introduce us to the rest of your oh, family. Oh, yeah, my goodness. You know, we, we started out our marriage by actually losing a son um, right when we got married, um, Skyler G. Oh. Um, he was born at 21 and a half weeks and oh. wasn't so. Which brings us into the rest of the problems that we've kind of had with Talon. He was born at 29 and a half weeks, had heart surgery when he was 10 days old, and he's just been our little miracle. And uh, he's 30 now. And uh, when it comes to rare disease and and those type of issues, that's the reason we are so out front on a bunch of different issues because of the things Talon's taught us over the last 30 years about being resilient and relentlessly resilient because he wakes up every day and gets through his day and 
He's got a really rare disease called IgG4 systemic sclerosis disease where he's getting hard from the inside out. And his legs, if you've ever seen that fantastic four, he looks like the guy with the rock that turns into stone. And yep. uh, But he is amazing. He should not be here. The last time we talked to his doctor, he actually asked his doctor, says, so what do you think, Doc? How long have I got? And he goes, Talon, you should have been dead five years ago. Wow. So that just lets you know that the just kid just day. never gives up. And He is incredibly day, resilient. Then my beautiful little girl, Jandy, Jerry Summers, um, now she's a fielding. She's actually related to some friends of ours, Michelle, we'll get into that later, that he's related to. But she's got the two cutest little boys, Huxley and Lachlan, and I, this weekend was amazing. They came up and stayed with us, and actually she's got a bun in the oven. I was just going to say, I was scrolling through your your party pictures. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, is Jandy pregnant? I'm like, is that a baby rock? I had to go. I had to go. I had to go back and, and relook at the picture because I was just kind of flipping through, you know. And then my brain was like, wait a minute, I think I saw a baby bump. <laughs> yeah, I love. Congratulations. I'm never going to have as many grandkids as uh, either one of you, but you know the ones we do have, we're going to spoil. So you are good. Yeah, you are uh, good at that. She's good. Yeah, we'll spoil anybody's kids, won't we? Oh, yeah, you've spoiled mine before for sure. (laughs) Okay, Stan. So, Stan, we love you. We love the gigantic family you come from. We love the fact that you stole the high school sweetheart's cousin, somebody, something like that, (laughs) cute Jen. Your son, your daughter, those two little grand boys, and now a new baby coming uh, to grandpa. Let's take a break and then come back, and let's dive into some of these challenges you've alluded to with this very rare disease Talon has, but that's not all your family has faced on the medical side. So hang on, and we'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. All right, Stan. So we could talk for hours about every kind of challenge you and your wife and family have have faced in your entire lives. We can make a really long list. You even mentioned, you know, hard times you faced from an early age. But today we're going to focus in, um, as we talked about off the air for a minute, on some of the physical challenges you and your family have faced and continue to face and the impact that those physical medical struggles have have had on you guys, on your relationships, on your ability to be resilient. Can you just give us kind of a, a basic wash overview of some of those physical challenges you guys have faced and are facing? 
Um, you know, like I said, we always start with Talon because of the things that he's went through in his life. And I think there's been maybe a couple year period between his maybe seventh and ninth grade year that he was what he said medically normal. Um, but other than that, I mean, there was a time where he broke his arm in half and he fell off a bike that was just standing there and broke his arm in half. And mm. he came up to me and his arm was in a U shape and we're like, um, and he's like, dad, don't be mad. And I'm just going, holy crap, you know, took him to the hospital. We found out that pain meds never really did anything for him, which kind of gets us into the, you know, the following years where normal medications just have never done anything for him. So, you know, then uh, we go into his sophomore year where he, they win the state championship with one of my nephews. The Playing two football, brothers right? were on the team. Yep. And he was just a little stud. He was a better athlete than I was, and I wasn't too bad in my day. And I figured he had a great future and uh, went to football camp that next spring and hit a kid and couldn't get up, uh, couldn't feel his legs, didn't know what was on. They figured it was just a stinger because about 15 minutes later, he was able to stand up and he didn't practice the rest of the week and then come to find out he'd broken two vertebrae in his back. Oh, my goodness. And uh, had surgery, had some screws and stuff put in and, then it kind of just seemed like it all kind of fell apart there to where he just never would heal. Even his scars and things wouldn't heal. So they put a pain pump in him, and the guy came out. It was supposed to be a 45-minute surgery. He came back three and a half hours later and told us that his skin was like cutting through Kevlar. And uh, they actually had to cauterize a hole to where the pain pump was going to be. And, and then we went to the Mayo Clinic multiple times and the National Institute of Health multiple times. So, I Stan, wait, this was... Spot at the U. How, how old was he when he first started? You said he was his sophomore year yeah, of high school? Yeah, going into his junior year, he broke his back, and that's kind of when... So you know, before... Like he had his challenges. Okay, but before that, nothing that okay. was... You hadn't been to the Mayo Clinic when he was 10? No. So he no, was born no, as a premature baby. Weird. Yeah. We've seen some oddities now looking back. Now sure. that we know what we know, we kind of have said, oh, yeah, that would have explained that one. You yeah. know, like his broken arm where he, he didn't even cry. So his pain levels have always been more than most people. And and then, uh, you know, like I said, it's, we have our own parking spot at the U. And mm. now he's just our little, uh, I don't know, what, how do you call it the other night? He said he is suffering luxuriously that that's what he said i'm suffering luxuriously he he's got his own room you've seen his room that we build onto the house and so he's so he's about it he's 30 years old now and as you explained for those of us who don't understand a lot of what igg4 is his body is calcifying and hardening from the inside out is that a really basic correct assessment yep if anybody's seen scleroderma where they get hard from the outside in Mm -hmm. This is basically from him getting hard from the inside out. It hadn't affected any of his organs until about five years ago when it started into his lungs and his esophagus and things. And so he's on, you know, four and five liters of oxygen all the time. His esophagus is getting hard, so it's hard for him to eat. So, you know, like I said, he's an interesting spirit to where, you know, anybody who comes in contact with him, because he doesn't like to complain. He doesn't like to have people feel sorry for him, but he wants to make people know that why he's still here and he hasn't chose, you know, the other alternative. And there's been a lot of people call and ask, you know, that uh, why he hasn't chose the other way. And 
I think it's just because we've been upfront and honest about, you know, how much we'd miss him and, and, uh, his, I just don't think he's wired that way. I think yeah. he's just wired to be here until he's gone. So, because if you meet with him and if you see him, it, it becomes really clear how uncomfortable yeah. it must be to be in that his body. body. Right. But you know, the interesting thing is also I've sat with him and he, he has his own projects that he does from his recliner and he keeps himself busy. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, and I have to say he has a standing invitation. I offered back in last February and I didn't want to press him, but I, I would love to get him on our show because he is really, I, I don't know anyone Right. Who's had more physical suffering for such a long time and to have such a still such a strong outlook. It, it's really right. amazing. And to impact so many people. So Stan, before we jump into this impact, the way that Talon and his illness has brought so many people together, can you tell us some of the other medical issues I know your wife has faced and things? Again, not to necessarily belabor the medical point, but just to emphasize it's not just this one rare disease impacting your family. Yeah. You know, I told somebody the other day, we've been married 33 years, and I've met my out-of-pocket maximum 30 out of those 33 years. Wow. So when it comes to Even when you guys bills, were younger, um, this isn't just recent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Huh. No, it's, even when we were younger, it just seemed like Jen's had different surgeries. And I know you're going to have her on in a couple of weeks, So, but we've had our own little trials, you know, through everything, and I... I think it was interesting that Talon asked me not too long ago about me going through everything I did with my mom having cancer. He just said, Daddy said, I think you went through everything so you'd know how to deal with all of the things that are going on in our lives, you know, today. And and that's kind of what happened. I mean, COVID kicked our butts. We had it for about nine days, 10 days. Talon had a fear of 104 to 105, seven out of them those days. And Jen and I were sick. Um, I told people it's the worst flu and the worst hangover combined I've ever had. Yeah. And uh, Jen and I took turns going up and seeing if Talon was still breathing. So that's kind of how our two weeks with COVID was. And uh, so not to to belittle that part of it. And then come to find out, Jen had had some medical problems before going into this. um, But COVID kind of like put them on high alert and has shut her GI tract down and her stomach. So she's been on a feeding tube for about six months, and we're not having a whole lot of fun with that one. So, and luckily, Jandy, you know, she's really not had a whole lot of stuff besides she broke an ankle, cheering, and things like that. But, you know, nothing out of the normal. So we're hoping she just stays healthy and happy and has great grandkids. And, and then I, you know, I'm 56 and hadn't seen the inside of a hospital overnight until I was 55. And I had was in a wreck when I was coming home from seeing the president about health care issues. And it, it uh, herniated my neck and I had a bone spur that went into my spinal cord and had surgery and felt good about that. And then I was headed to D.C. to visit with the president again and got in a wreck on my way to the oh thing. Oh, my gosh. And messed up my shoulder and just had that operated on and so it just seemed like I got to be 56 and had a really good old friend that used to come in the car wash and said summer's getting old it's not for sissies so all of a sudden know how that is yeah all of a sudden you know okay so you've had literally three decades 
of medical bills, medical struggles, medical challenges that most of us, you know, most of us who maybe got COVID for a week or so and we complained enough about that, but at least for most of us it's gone away. Or maybe we've broken a bone or had a surgery and recovered. Yours kind of seems to be this this ongoing, um, again, a lot of us, I think, don't understand what these rare diseases really are. I know that's what you were meeting with the president about not just medicine in general, not just illness in general, but these rare diseases where they come with so many implications, so many ongoing symptoms, uh, expensive treatment, unavailable treatment, unrecognizable treatment. Yet, Tell us, so you, you said a beautiful thing before we got on the air this morning when we were talking about kind of the direction we could take this conversation. And you didn't say... I want to talk about every medical thing that's happened and how awful it is or how unfair it is or how biologically unpredictable it is. You said, I'd like to talk about these different physical challenges we've had and how they've brought people together. So tell us where you're going with that. (laughs) Now you're going to get me to cry. kind of said I wouldn't do that, but here well, I am. Well, that was huh? a bad thing for you to say, Stan. You knew better than that. <laughs> You're coming on this show <laughs> to talk about real things. Come on. We love your heart. I, Go uh, ahead and cry while you talk. We do it all the time. Just this last weekend, we did a veteran suicide awareness. And if anybody knows me, you know, two things besides my family are veterans and suicide. And we put those two things together and had an awareness fundraiser and you know, I just, it amazes me the good people that you meet. And uh, I think that's why we're here, is to help each other every day. I kind of joke to these other people that have been affected by suicide and, and the vet- problems with veterans. And, and I'm talking to, you know, two of the people that have been affected and, uh, they just asked me all the time. They said, so how do you do it with everything that's on your plate? And I just said, well, lucky for me, God's got a sense of humor. And every day I get up and he gives me a bigger plate. <laughs> and there's, <laughs> and there's probably good, more truth to that. That's a good way really to put know. it, Stan. Yep. Yeah. And uh, there was a couple people that uh, Charlie Jenkins, amazing talent from Roosevelt, Utah, lives up in. Heber City was here um, singing, and he had some amazing songs. And um, the, Tom Proctor, that's a movie star that's from Utah, and he lives in St. George now. They both came up, and veterans and suicide are near and dear to their heart also. And Talon was going to come to the thing that we had, and he just couldn't quite get there. So we were cleaning up, and next thing I know, John Gossett from Lightsworth Living comes over and says, Hey, shoot me your address. And I'm like, Why? He goes, because everybody wants to go meet Talon. I just, it blew me away. And uh, we came out and got in the back thing, and they brought in their guitars. And Charlie Jenkins has this one song called, um, I think he wrote with Paul Cardell, called Sometimes Mountains Don't Move. And if you haven't seen that video or looked up that song, grab a Kleenex and go listen to it, because sometimes... All the praying and hoping and things you can, sometimes those mountains just don't move. And uh, and then Tom Proctor came in with his guitar, and he's got what a story this guy's got. <laughs> Look him up on the Internet and, and realize that, you know, talk about resiliency, and and yet he's got just a great attitude. And, and there was happened to be this girl that we met at a conference. It was Sean Milne's friend, and she came with us. 
and I didn't have any idea of her story, but having cancer and being in the army and, and we had become great friends and Talon gave her one of his challenge coins. And she said she hasn't cried in a long time. And she said, this grunt cried through the whole thing. And then Kennedy Dodd came and I don't know how many of you have know who Kennedy Dodd is, but she's the girl who had, uh, I think she was in the top 10 and, uh, America's got talent, I think. And her parents are both blind. And she came in and sang a song called It's Not Your Time to Go about a cousin that she wrote that had committed suicide. So needless to say, an hour and a half later, um, lots of tears, lots of hugs, and our circle just expanded. And then uh, it was interesting the next day after it was all over and everybody was still texting back and forth. I get in, I looked at Amberly Snyder posted, and if any of you don't know who Amberly Snyder is, she's the barrel racer who's paralyzed and there's good friends of ours and she lives in box other county and uh it had a picture of her on her horse and the caption was just remember today you have most of the things that people are praying for and i'm just like holy moly yeah that perspective so, yep and that perspective about i'm just going to pick up my hand cart and i'm going to head towards the valley and help everybody i can along the way And that's exactly what you do, Stan. And what I love about this story, so you've just shared with us one weekend where some musicians and other other stars and people took time out of their day to come to your home to perform for Talon where he wasn't able to attend the live event. You could tell us 50 stories, if not more, about experiences like that. I know because I've been in your home. I've been in Talon's room, kind of this addition you put on where he has his own little suite and I've seen some of the photos and the coins and the tokens and the books and the mementos. Talon's story, as hard as it is on you and on him and on Jen and your whole family, has touched so many lives and has had had a positive impact on so many people who, you know, we meet Talon, we love Talon, we feel his love the same way we feel yours. And it does kind of open our eyes to the fact that most of us do have most of the things other people are praying for. And and that perspective gets lost in our busyness and in the hassle of the day-to-day life. But I love how you walked us through what happened this past weekend. But I love even more knowing that Talon has brought people together weekend after weekend. Your politics puts you to where you're in contact with, with more people than most. I mean, that's just a fact. Like you said, you've had meetings with the president. You have all these political contacts. But it also has put you in a position to let Talon's story reach far and wide. People like me and Michelle, people like astronauts, people like movie stars and country singers. And and how beautiful it is that you can see, even in the midst of your own family's personal pain, the beauty that's come into all of these lives and then these people who meet you go home having been touched and impacted for good because of the suffering of your son. And there's there's some beautiful symbolism in that and there's some heartache in that. And I I just want to express my gratitude and and tell you thank you and I'm sorry in the same breath. Thank you for sharing him and, and his story. And I'm sorry that you as a family and he as a person are the ones having to bear the weight of this beautiful story. Yeah. Well, and I think it's interesting, like you said, that uh, he's known well beyond his years. I, Lee Perry, a friend of mine, always said, he goes, I don't know anybody in the world that's ever been called 
from space, which would have been my astronaut buddy, Scott Tingle, that called in from the space station, and Air Force One from Trump and Kaylee McKinney that called and checked on him from Air Force One. So, you know, to he always tells me I get to have all the acclimates from him being so sick. But yet he knows that even when I was headed back to meet with the president, he was sick and I wasn't going to go. And I came in and asked him if it was okay if I went back to D.C. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, if it touches one person and helps one person, it, it will be worth Stand. So to think of the people that he's touched. And last check, Jen had got on the Internet a little while ago and checked my testimony there at the White House. has had all, half a million hits. So this little dairy farmer, son from East Tremont, Utah, has been able to do great things through tragedy. Yeah. And able to and help. when I look at yeah, that's what I'm saying with you, you know, and Michelle and everybody that that does great through great things through tragedy. There's a special place in heaven for those of us that continue the fight. That doesn't make it doesn't make it easy. Believe me, you know I can't believe I haven't swore during this interview. But holy. <laughs> well, there there we there, have it. <laughs> there there are there are those days. And I think there are those days where we all just want to like throw in the towel, give up, curl in a ball, not get out of bed. It is hard. Tie a knot at the end of the rope and hang on. Yeah. Stan, we're going to take another quick break so we can all kind of catch our breath here. (laughs) When we when we come back, we want you to help teach us maybe some of those tricks you've learned tying a knot to hold on okay what does that look like in your day-to-day life what are some of the things you and jen can do maybe to recharge yourselves or how do you kind of reconnect or how do you how do you as a family strengthen yourselves under this heavy weight and as always we'll talk about what resilience looks like to you we'll be right back Stan, we're back. I think we've all caught our breath just thinking of the heavy weight and the ongoing exhaustion you and your family must feel. But we've also felt your love and your positivity and your determination to help and lift those around you. So can you talk to us for these last couple of minutes? What what does this resilience look like to you? How do you and Jen kind of find it within you to keep picking up that wagon day after day and moving toward the proverbial valley. And Michelle, right before we went to break, she was saying something about, you know, tie a knot and hold on. Well, sometimes that knot feels a little worn out, and I'm not sure my grip can hold on. So talk us through how do you, when you get to those points, because I know you do, as strong as you are, I know you get to those points, how do you either regroup or start over or determine I'm just not really going to give up for good? I think it's that when you get to the point where you just can't do it anymore and you just let the Lord take over and and you leave it at his feet. And I do that almost every night to where I just, hey, you've got to take it tonight. And Jen's good enough that she takes care of Talon most of the nights through the night. And then I'll try to get up early and I'll take him through, you know, until Jen gets up 
or whenever that happens. But sometimes I think you can just kind of feel those people like holding on to your legs and pushing up while you're still holding on to that knot to where you can let your arms rest and and have that feeling of, of comfort and maybe some of the things that aren't happening at such a fast pace because I, I think I made the mistake a couple of weeks ago when Jen was having her tube done again and I posted on Facebook and I'm sure you've seen it that I said I'm tired of being tried. Yeah. And uh, apparently, the, apparently the Lord watches my Facebook page and <laughs> and uh, I'm going to tell you and ramped decided, it up. Yeah. And ramped it up a little bit. He just like if you don't think you're getting blessed, well here's here's a house fire. You know, here's here's a kid here's a kidney problem I thought was kidney stones. Here's um, you know we thought that maybe Jandy was having some problems with the pregnancy. Um, you know, and all suddenly I started thinking, oh my goodness, what would I be doing if I wasn't being blessed and if I wasn't having these people void me up and pray for me and put my name in the temple and you know and I um, I know you all know Boyd Matheson and a couple weeks ago we were talking about some of my projects because. He kind of said about, what do you do? And and I like to write. I have no idea why. It's always been my thing. But, you know, I'm a published author. Richard Paul Evans uh, published one of my books called I Have a Secret. And I sent Boyd one of my books that I just did. And uh, he, you know, texts me back today. He says, oh, Stan, he goes, you've been keeping a secret from me. You know, the things that you wrote got me through some tough times this week. And so, you know, hearing those type of things, knowing that our experiences are going to help other people, you'll have to permit me one more story because, oh, probably four years ago, Jen had a tooth extracted and she went septic. And so I had Talon in the hospital and Jen in the hospital at the same time, not knowing if either one of them were going to come home. And I happened to uh, walk by Talon's bed. He was on his knees. And the only thing he was praying for was for his mom to get better. And I just thought, well, how, you know, how can this kid that maybe might not make it through their night just be more concerned about his mom? And I really thought about posting that about him on his knees and what his prayer was for. And at that time, there was people telling me I posted too much personal stuff. And, uh, Unlike before, you know, growing up when the Spirit told me to do something, now I just do it. I have no idea why. I just do it, but the Spirit told me to post that. So I got up in the morning and checked on him again and and posted that about telling, saying a prayer for his mom. I went to work, you know, I was when I was still driving the school bus and still doing windshields and still car washing and everything else that I was doing. I didn't think much about it, and I came home and I had a private message from a lady that I knew and she said that she had had it and she was coming home that day to to commit suicide (laughs) and uh, the first thing that she got on Facebook was talent post and she told me she said Stan she goes I watch watch you guys and I just want you to know that if talent can do it I can do it and to this day, we still pass each other in the grocery store or something and just kind of wink at each other. And wow. so when it comes to that re- recharging purse part, it's that, you know, the one 
you know, not worrying about the 90 and 9, but we find the one. And if you can find the one, I think that's what recharges. That's what brings your soul and your spirit and be able to know that you only have one life. But if you do it right, that's enough. So, that's you know, powerful, reach out. Stan. Reach out. Speak up. Um, we talked about doing a buddy check for all these people that you think about. And I know Jenny's tired of me texting her every once in a while. I'll just no, I'm not. Text and say, hey, <laughs> just checking on you. You know, do the same thing with Michelle. I do the same thing with a bunch of other people that are on my list because of the things that, you know, their husbands or they have done for me. And I want to make sure that I'm checking on my buddies to to Victor and Chris and to, you know, I've got, I got quite the list. So we just check on each other. You you have a lot of people that love you and you love a lot of people. So I'm sure that list is quite large and I'm honored Mm -hmm. to be on, on it. And part of that, I, I know I reach out to you guys. I feel terrible because I was the one that brought them COVID. <laughs> oh, Michelle. <laughs> In an act of service. Very unwittingly. It, yeah, it was a nightmare. Yes. Anyway, so I I struggle with trying to forgive myself and realize that is not... Uh, I had no way of knowing. And um, No. No. And uh, I, I was perfectly healthy and really hadn't seen... I had not been out in the public, so I I felt pretty safe, but I did bring somebody with me, and who, kn- who knows how it really got there, but we all got yeah. it at the same time. I had it pretty severe. Mine lasted 21 days, um, and and Jen and I, when we ran into Harmon, she was telling me some of the things that, you know, that, that it has really triggered what she was already struggling with at that time and just exacerbated it. And, and I just, it makes me sick. And I, I love you guys so much. It's hard not to feel guilty or, or bad about that. You know, well, anyway, I, I always, I always give, I always gave you a pass. I always said it was Milburn's fault. <laughs> so I wouldn't give, I, I wouldn't give Brett a pass. I'd make him feel as bad as he wanted to. So <laughs> Good. Let's pre- that's, blame it on him. Yeah, um, he, he doesn't listen. He doesn't listen to this, does he? <laughs> I don't know if he does or not. Make, I haven't asked him. I'll make I'll but, make sure I gave him a shout out. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I just you, you did you couldn't believe the love and the strength and the texts from people that you know they don't come out and do things, but you know, last Christmas or the Christmas before, when I think people knew we were really struggling, I think we got probably three or four thousand dollars in the mail 50 bucks at a time yeah you know just people that we can't do anything but we'd like to and that's a tough thing for me i you can ask jen that i have a tough time accepting that stuff so even when you brought us you know the covid that was disguised as lasagna um i don't i don't do that well i'm, I'm okay to give but I don't, I don't like to receive. It makes me very unstable. My anxiety, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough on an old farm boy and an old cowboy to, to put your heart on your sleeve and accept help when you're the one that's, you know, doing the help. And I've seen that with Jenny and I've seen that she's got that same spirit of, you know, it hurts me to watch you help, but 
I'm going to let you help because that's the Christ-like thing to do. And Well, here's so. what I love, Stan. When I asked you how you recharge, your answer was that you help yeah. other people. And that was not what I was expecting. I wondered if you like to take time to read a book or go, you know, lift weights or milk the cow. I don't know what I was looking for. But how telling is that, that the way you fill your bucket is by helping fill somebody else's bucket. And I think that could be a whole other conversation on what service does. But it also is the two-edged sword. And I know that because I'm a stubborn person like you. I didn't grow up on a dairy farm, but I don't like people helping me. And yet... I've learned, particularly in these last three years, how beautiful it is when I quote unquote let people help me and how I'm beautiful. still trying to learn that lesson. I think that it's amazing to watch you and, and that you've learned to, even to be able to ask. I ask I, for help. You guys, I, I ask for help. I can't do it. It's probably my greatest superpower that still kills me, but, yeah. I, but I do. But Stan, we, we love you. We thank you for being here with us. You know, we talk about resilience. And I love that we're talking to you in the middle of the stretch. You know, resilience is like this rubber band that gets stretched and bounces back and stretched and bounces back over and over and over in life. You're kind of in constant stretch mode, and yet you're still resilient. You're still giving. You're still serving. You're still getting out of bed every day. You're still having faith and carrying on. And I think that's important to recognize that is resilience. It's not just resilience when you're done and you look back, you're resilient in the moment, even if that moment lasts really, really long. So thank you, Stan. Yeah, and thank you. And like I said, The Broken Vessel by L. Tom Perry. I read a lot. And Your Sunday Will Come by Joseph B. Worthlin, his talk. Um, And then I couldn't do anything without my family, without Jen and Talon and Jandy and my grandkids and my siblings and my 67 other first cousins. and. (laughs) This giant army of a Summers family. Um, Giant army. And I had four or five texts this morning from people that you probably wouldn't realize that are soft like me. And they just said, one was from a guy that said, I'm not a spiritual person. I just wanted to check on you because a voice told me to. So Hmm. pretty cool. But not a spiritual person. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said. Well... Stan, not a spiritual person, but you're checking on me, so checking Stan, on us. It's like Michelle said, you are loved by a lot of people because you love a lot of people, and we're grateful for that. We're grateful you would share with us. We look forward to hearing from Jen more Thank of the you. story. It can be the and same Talon. story and Talon when he's yeah, ready. When he's and, you know what? Yeah. and I'd love to talk to Jandy. Like you said, Jandy hasn't had her own physical oh. struggles, but that doesn't mean life's been a cakewalk for her. Yeah. And so it'd be interesting no, oh, in, me. in the same family. And she showed up on your doorstep a couple times, hasn't she? She has. <laughs> she's, she's been wonderful to us. So, you know, John actually met with Talon. I told John that I'd been following yeah. Stan and his story for a while. And John and I went and met with Talon the first time that I met Talon as well. And, and Talon and John had quite a spiritual little uh, conversation and yeah, Talon, again. Go ahead, Michelle. <laughs> Talon expressed that his concern was who was going to greet him on the Dying other alone. side. He didn't want to die alone. Yep. And so my husband and they him. They made a pack. They made a pack. <laughs> now I'm crying. <laughs> they, they made a pack. And one of the last things that John said to me, he was in and out of a kind of a coma, non-communicative place but about three days before he died one of the last very last things he said to me was tell Talon I'll keep my word if I am able I will keep my word 
which was that if he died first, that he would go and greet Talon yeah, when it was I, his time. Stan, I promise you, um, when it's Talon's time or your time or anybody's time, I promise they're not going alone. There's going to be so many yep. people oh. waiting to hug every summer's <laughs> that walks into that beautiful place, wherever it turns out to be. Yep. Yeah. We love you, Stan. Yep. No. Anyway, we love you too. I didn't know if I should share Thanks that. Thanks for letting me cry. Sorry, hey, I don't know if I should share that very spe- special, very spiritual nope. experience. But and now Jenny has got big fat tears <laughs> rolling down her. I didn't mean to make everyone cry, but you know, um, Talon had made that back to John as well, and um, and I'm yep. sure he would have kept it as well. And so there there have been multiple experiences, and what I absolutely know, and what I shared with Talon, um, I I felt really directed to go speak to Talon. And this was not last year. This was about a year after John died. I could testify to him that the moment that John passed, my home was filled. And it was just John and I in the room. But my, I could feel that my house was full. And there was a lot of angels that I could not see, but I could feel. And I, I just wanted to testify to tell him, you are not going to be alone. And we're blessed, and when we're blessed to know, and I feel that every day. So that's another reason I think we have been able to to do that and to know that is because I think we have those people that are tying knots constantly on the other side and throwing us a new loop to hold on to and, yep. and, and to the, understand and realize that and to hold on we'll to our going. grip when we can't hold on anymore. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Well, we love you, Stan. Well, we do. Thanks Love for thanks for joining us. Like I said, we look forward to hearing more of the story from the different uh, viewpoints in your home and your family. To our listeners, we hope you've enjoyed what you've heard today. We hope you've felt something um, that can resonate in your life, whether you're battling a rare disease or uh, depression or joblessness or divorce or whatever your struggle is right now. We hope that you can feel the sincerity as Stan shares his struggles to know that Somebody like Stan that's struggling so much is still praying for you, hoping for you, helping himself by trying to help you. So let's let each other help a little bit. Let's let those walls down. And and if you're listening, as always, we hope that you will um, share your story. If you or someone you know is that's listening has a real-life story of a struggle, a challenge, a trial that you've either gone through or you're right in the middle of, uh, reach out to us. We'd love to share those with our listeners. You can find us on email at rrpodcast at ksl.com, on Instagram at Relentlessly Resilient Podcast, or on Facebook at Relentlessly Resilient. We'd love for you to find us on your favorite podcast platform, give us a rating and a review, and let's just keep connecting week after week as we try to help each other really be relentless in our resilience. Remember, whatever you do today, be kind. You have no idea the struggles others are dealing with in their own lives. Have a great day. Love you, Stan. Tell Jen and Talon and Jandy. Love hi. you guys. Okay, talk I to you will. soon. All right, talk bye-bye. Bye. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to... Give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.